This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's political and everything beyond on Beyond Politics. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Brett here today. Michael Broadcorp will join us. Uh, We'll talk uh, Vikings because he is our Vikings correspondent, and he lived for that, and that's cool. Uh, But we'll also talk to him a little bit about Dean Phillips and what he thinks is going on there as well. Hi, Brett. How are we today? I'm doing all right. Looking forward to hearing from Michael now that the Vikings are in the win column for once. We'll save it. Uh, did you have a nice weekend? I did. Yeah, got outside. Beautiful weather out there. And beautiful. It, what are you talking about? It was it, it was August third out there this weekend. You didn't enjoy that at all. You want to know the truth? No, I didn't because it's October. You know, it's October. I do not live in Texas. I do <laughs> not live in in Missouri. I live in Minnesota, and at this point of the year, it should be about fifty eight to sixty five degrees. Cool winds. You know, the, you know, the things starting to change, leaves changing. I went to the apple orchard yesterday. I was sweating like a horse out there, man. This is, this is not fun. This is hot. This is, this sucks. Oh God. I mean, so one of the great things, one of the great elements of life, I think, is the ability to pull an ice cold apple off a tree in fall. When they're hot, they're not as good. It's a hot apple. It's not a cooked apple. It's just a hot yeah. apple. I had hot apples. I mean, because I mean, you get obviously got to eat when you're going down the line to pick apples. But I had hot apples, man. What? What, what do you, you? You know, you have no problem with this. You look around and it's like, you know, I'm I'm okay with postponing fall for a few more weeks. Well, I'm not thrilled about it, but I'll take advantage of the of the weather while we'll have it. But uh, yeah, I, I know it's uh, certainly unseasonably warm. I think Sven just said this was the hottest September we've ever experienced exactly. in Minnesota. So there's a downside, certainly. But uh, I guess I can get outside. But uh, yeah, yeah, there it comes at a cost. <laughs> it, it does, and and I am just of the mindset that. I mean, we're going to talk, obviously, this hour about the, the Twin Cities Marathon. That's that's going to be, a, obviously, a, a topic du jour. But this is starting to cost us. We don't have as long as an ice fishing season or a snowmobile season. And, frankly, if Minnesota doesn't have a long winter here, there's a lot of sports uh, producers, a lot of, 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 of companies that make winter gear, that their market becomes basically the Rocky Mountains and Canada. And that's that's a that's a problem. Um, it, it it really is disappointing to me. The volume of 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 people that still and I know you're you are just putting a, a bright sunshine on a nice warm day. I know that you're not a climate denier, climate change denier. You're not. You you are very clearly said on this show and 
when you filled in for us and for me on this show, you've talked multiple times about climate change is real, and for goodness sakes, we should do something about it, right? Well, just wait till Friday when we're like in the 50s, and I'll say, where's your climate change now, McNeil? Because it's, that's normal. <laughs> the only reason it feels cool is because it was tropics here on Monday. Uh, I went hiking at the um, uh, one of the one of the parks. A new one. I forgot. How did I miss this one? It's up on the Mississippi River, right across from Coon Rapids and Brooklyn Park. And um, I went up there and hiked around. Gorgeous, lovely. They actually have a dam you can walk across. It's uh, on the river. It was that was we were out in the sun. That felt like the hottest day of the summer on Saturday. Like I said, went apple picking yesterday, and I'll get more to that in a second. But just was. I mean, I, I was, I, I've been dealing with this allergy thing. I did yard work for the first time really all summer long. I mean, it wasn't summer, it's fall. For the first time on this, I, you know, I did the, the yard. I went out there and I, I trimmed. I you know, did some hedges, did some gardening and stuff like this. That Thursday night I came in, I was like, ugh, I could already start feeling it was in the back of my, the, the allergies were going to kick in. And they really kicked in for the weekend. And so that kind of, I mean, me just going out to the apple orchard yesterday, I was wiped out. I've been basically in bed since, you know, I got back from the apple orchard, surrounded by my apples, of course, you know, my little minions, my, my little troop now, my little army of apples. But still, it wiped me out. Oh, it's, it's not good. Although I will say this, hot or no, the apple orchard is just, that's just fall fun right there. Went out there. I did not do the slide. They have a giant slide there now. My wife and my daughter did it. I got because I, of my back now, basically being you know C three PO. I cannot do stuff like that anymore. But I got to watch that. Uh, I got to feed a donkey. I I got to see a llama falling in love with my Sheltie, which was really weird. Oh, you could tell that llama was smitten. These both beat the going down the slide. I think. Well, it was. I mean, you know, unrequited romance is is quite the the attraction, if you ask me. It, it's it's. It, I take off to I go up to the llama and the llama's like looking and of course every animal out there is like you got an apple you know and that's that's the entire these are not thin animals they have they have been getting their their share and he's looking at me looking at me and all of a sudden he turns his head and he sees and his you can see the ears perk up he's looking down at my little sheltie who doesn't want anything to do with it I mean it's it just you know if this is reminiscent of my high school dating days I, I don't know what is but I mean falls instantly in love with my Sheltie and you could tell he just everywhere my Sheltie went he just was following like who is this magnificent beast now my dog wasn't barking or anything it was like that wasn't like I'm scared to death that was my college days but that being said uh it was <laughs> sorry uh it was it was it was it was lovely to have the unrequited romance and Sweet tangos. I got my tang. I went. I went down to Sweet Tangos. They had the Sweet Tangos in. This is, by the way, um, fall, har- fall Harvest Orchard, the only one I know that has Sweet Tangos. Mwah, I love you. They had the Sweet Sixteens too. Got some of the uh, got some of the Honey Crisps. Just good fun. The Honey Crisp trees, man. You better get out there now because most of those trees are empty. I mean, we were we were walking in you know ninety degree balmy you know, heat in October. Through through the uh, the orchards all the way to the like the last trees you possibly could get to, so we could go get our get our uh, honeycrisps and uh, yeah that was that was it was delightful that yeah it looked like I was working the yard I mean it, <laughs> all of a sudden apple picking takes a new turn when all of a sudden it's not this cool relaxing affair but it's like man this is work God I, you should be getting paid for this or something this is horrible.
Eventually, they'll have to put cooling stations at the apple orchards now. Mm. <laughs> now you know. You know what this heat has done? More wasps. Oh, can't that beat true, the, can't, yes. can't beat the wasp, man. All over the place. Waspy bee, waspy bee, waspy bee, was. We got we got some mini donuts. Delicious. Just you know, it was like we opened a hive. I mean, that's you know, you had to be careful when you're grabbing the donuts out of there, and you had to be careful before you put that sucker in your mouth because they were resilient. Had got got a little apple cider, delicious apple cider to have a little drink of. They were kind of trying to go into the the cup the entire time. The good news is, young kids came in there soon, and we just threw them at the the wasp, and they were fine. You know, was, <laughs> look, their their flesh is young and smells sweet. Off you go, wasp. Have a nice time, kids. <laughs> Enjoy the hay the, the hay castle. Um, no, it was good time. If you get a chance, I, I still think it's one of my favorite things to do all season long is apple picking. And so if you get the chance to head on out and do so, uh, Fall Harvest Orchard is good, but it is busy. All of them are now. All of them are just packed to the gills. 952 946 6205, 952 946 6205. I want to weigh in on the cancellation of the Twin Cities Marathon. Now, I have not run a marathon, okay? I've not. I've, I ran when I was in the military. The longest run I ever did was a 10K, uh, which is basically 6.26 miles. And so I did that. Um, and, and, you know, you know, but I mean, I, I've known, I know plenty of people that run marathons. I know my, my wife actually ran the Twin Cities Marathon a few years, about 20 years ago. So she's maybe a little bit longer than that, but she ran the Twin Cities Marathon. Um, I know what it is to take take to, to training. I know what it is to 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 get ready for it. I understand that this is something that you are looking forward to, and one of the things that should not be forgotten is that this is a marathon that a lot of people use to qualify to get into the Boston Marathon or some of the other marathons. You need to get a certain runtime to qualify for other marathons, and so this is one that they use. I think the collective mentality we can have is that darn this got canceled thanks to climate change i'll add that part in there for all the republicans in the back row who are plugging their ear fingers in the air acting as if this is, this is it's, it's four season it's summer and winter fall and it's big that's the climate change no 89 degrees, or was it what, 93 yesterday was the official temperature? Was that 93 yesterday? Was the Did official... we get into the 90s? It was definitely upper 80s. I, think. I thought yeah. so, some people were saying 90s. Ugh. It was, that, that was climate change. This is something I've watched in, with a front row seat, all of us have, in our lifetimes. It's climate change. And... It's cost the Twin Cities a substantial amount of money. And you might be one of those right-wing jerks who's like, it's not my community. I don't care. Because you're the same ones who, we had flooding. The Twin Cities metro area needs us. We need them to give us our taxpayer dollars to help us. You know, that sort of thing. This is a bad sign. Frustrations all abound. Undeniably. But... I think we have to step back here 
And the first thing I want to do is I want to just address the marathon itself. In my lifetime, we have a cabin. It's a one-season cabin up north uh, in northern Minnesota, north of Virginia. We used to have groups go in there from basically the end of June till mid-August. The reason why people did not go in at any other time was because it was generally too cold. You would get a very decent chance of, if, especially back, you know, not that long ago in early June, a below freezing possible low temperature. And, of course, once it starts cooling down in northern Minnesota, it starts cooling down quick. And so by Labor Day, it, you know, there's a lot, there were some years where it was downright cold up there. And people who are looking to take a summer vacation, especially back then where you took kind of one big summer vacation and you drove someplace and you visited, you generally didn't want to necessarily take it to where you were not going to be able to kind of enjoy the the lake. My dad was the first one to recommend. He goes, you know, Matt, you're from Minneapolis, so you're going to be more tolerant towards these temperatures than most other people that would be coming up here. Why don't you start coming up here in mid-June or so? To which I did. I started going up there in mid-June, and it was only one year was it really cold. Only one year was it really cold. We had one rainy year, but it wasn't really that cold. We had most of the times it's 70 degrees, sunny skies, perfect. Just absolutely perfect. That was 20 years ago. Now we have families that are coming in in late May. And they're coming in all the way up to Labor Day. And even we've had one person request if they could possibly come in after that. That is not normal. In my lifetime, we have, I've seen what was basically a maybe two-month use cabin become a three-and-a-half to four-month use cabin because of climate change. End of story. End of discussion. It's getting warmer. It's getting undeniably warmer. The Twin Cities Marathon was placed here in this first Sunday of October because it was reliably somewhat cool. And still, I mean, next year we could end up having a 54-degree day near perfect running temperature. But I think that if you really want to be safe, your best bet is to get to the second Sunday or second Sunday of, yeah, second Sunday of October. And that's just to keep safe. I think you might actually want to go to the third Sunday of October if you want to know the truth. Because I think within 10 years, the second Sunday in October is going to be too damn hot to run that race on a consistent basis. And so, yeah, this is where I think you need to go. I think you need to look at three week, the third Sunday of October. That's when you run the race. And yeah, that could be a really cold day. Might even get a morning where you're in the low 40s when you start off well. I don't think the marathoners are going to get too upset about that, frankly. They seem to, to do okay in the colder weather. Boston is in April, isn't it? It's Boston Marathon. They run that with a is in conjunction with a Red Sox game. It's like April, early April. That it can't be too warm out there. Well, so you know, and you know, if they're having the same problem we are, maybe it is. I also want to make this plea to the runners of the Twin Cities Marathon. 
this is not necessarily your fault. Now, I'm going to come back after the break, and I'm going to talk a little bit about both sides of this argument of should they or shouldn't they have. I'll get to that here in a second. But regardless of that debate, the, the thing was canceled. Twin Cities Marathon, if you want this marathon to survive, you had better refund everyone as much money as you can. Story today is the, the great Grandma's Marathon had the record number of signups. Why? Because people are saying, can we trust the Twin Cities Marathon to even run at this point? And yeah, that, that's a bad reputation to get. So my suggestion would be apologies, I'm sorry, say what you need to say, and write them their checks back and say, you know what, let's try this again next year. Maybe even, maybe even if you were registered to run in 2023, you get a discount on your membership on your entry free fee in 2024. My suggestion, because there are a lot of really angry runners at you right now. So, you, you know, like the hornets I threw young children at at the apple orchard this weekend, you win over more hornets with those, those, the, 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 the kids have been eating a lot of candy. They got sticky fingers. The bees love them. <laughs> you win over more bees with honey than you do vinegar. There you go. There's the adage. So get your honey out, man. Give them their checks back. Offer them a rebate. Say, I'm very, very sorry. I hope you understand and hope and pray that you within three years, are able to get back to the entry level that you were at this year because it's probably going to take that long for you guys to recover from this. Now, I'm going to take a break. When I come on back, I do want to talk about both sides here because there are a lot of lobs. And once again, I understand every, the, 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 the core of this is everyone's up frustrated and angry. I get that, but we need to kind of tone it down a little bit on this, okay? I'll, I'll talk in a second. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. You can hear it a little bit still there. Uh, this, is, this is my Joe Bluth voice. There's going to be a truck pull coming into Wyndham. You know, that sort of thing. I can get away with that. Yeah, I get these really bad at night, too. Everyone's getting these horrible allergies. Obviously, Ugh. it's got to be due to the weather. Uh, well, yeah. I, well, yeah, no, and I think it is. Is I think everyone, no one had to do any yard work forever. You know, True, it's like, yeah. you didn't have, I've mowed my lawn the twice since July. To actually then I get out there and, you know, stir up dirt and do gardening and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, and it's the mushrooms, dude. Have you noticed the mushrooms are up with a force all of a sudden again? Yeah, yeah. Started raining, also the mushrooms came up. I think this, that has something to do with it. Anyway, so let's go to the two qu- squabbling sides of the Twin Cities Marathon debate. Now, I put out there a post yesterday morning where I was, and frankly, I was as stunned as everyone else. This is a shock. Um, but, and I made this point because I know this from knowing runners, even the most seasoned runners have trained for at least two months in the warmer conditions. And, and then there's of course this, the, the race liability issue. I thought that, that that was something, if this is a liability issue, don't they sign that they're not going to sue the race if they, you know, if there's a health problem. I was wondering if this was a volunteer issue, because obviously then if it is a running thing and you're going to run this and you need to have like double the water stations, do you have enough volunteers for that? You might not. 
and then I said, you're going to have to reimburse the runners because I can see that that legit that 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 nightmare is going to come knocking on your door. Now that being said, I immediately got some of the little bit of the both sides of things that were being put out there. Who you know that were that people were were kind of taking their sides that this was the right decision, this was the wrong decision. Um, the one of the main ones uh, was Lisa Braun Doubles, um, who basically is uh, who I, I I find to be absolutely fantastic. She's out of the Bay Area. She's a marketing and PR strategist, and she wrote um, that a lot of people who have never run a day in 90, 80, 80 plus degree heat and humidity with big opinions about it understood no and 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 there were a lot of people who have never and and frankly that lisa that to be fair there's a lot of people who have never run a day in 80 plus degree heat who are all for this as well and i mean so if you if your 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 template is to if your template is to basically say that people who have never run or don't run should not weigh in on this well Considering the impact of the community, considering that this is a large moneymaker for the Metro, considering the number of volunteers and the supporters that this has, the impact on the city, I don't know if that's necessarily a fair argument to make. That being said, that was kind of one of the first salvos. Then I had some runner guy who basically called out all the wimps who were canceling. Why would you cancel this race? Why would you cancel it? So it wasn't just you know, Fatso's in front of the TV basically complaining the marathon wasn't on. I, I want to make sure it's very clear. There were a lot of people that were pro-marathon that were very upset about this. And as a matter of fact, quite a few of them ran the marathon anyway, kind of in spite of the Twin Cities marathon people. Because they basically, you know, said this is I've run in this all the time. If you train for a marathon. You, you, you're not, it's, it's one of the first things you got to be very careful of is that sure you get these people who are like run marathons every two weeks or so that, so they're kind of constantly running that much distance, but most people that run a marathon, they're not running 26 miles before they go run the marathon. They're, they're basically, they work up their endurance to, you know, 18, 19, maybe even 20 miles and they get pretty good at that. And then, you know, the day of the marathon, they're kind of pushing their, their limit to see how much further they can go. Which, by the way, is a hoot with the Twin Cities Marathon because at mile 16, you start that slow uphill on the St. Paul side of the river, which goes through, what, four miles, five miles, a slow uphill run? Delightful. That will, that will, shake, that will shake a few, uh, you know, a few cobwebs out of the old uh, hangar there. It's also that considering the nature of when this is, most of the people that will run this have been training through the summer. And so probably have run in relatively warm conditions. Maybe not exact maybe not 90 degrees exactly. But there were some mornings this summer I guarantee I saw runners out running it was 82 83 already early in the morning it was god awful. But there were people out there running cuz they didn't want to run later on. So I think first of all this, don't imply some people don't have a right to have an opinion on something. When we're not talking about whether this is a private person running a race that's nowhere near this town, that it's it's a major event within the city that has become an iconic part of the fall that that generates tons of business, generate, generates a lot of volunteers, generates a lot of enthusiasm. And so to imply that someone who has not run a marathon doesn't have a right to have an opinion in a marathon, 
Yeah, I don't think that's fair. I had, after I made my post, numerous people, particularly uh, one guy named Duke, who I've mentioned before. He's a conservative. He follows me. He and I have had some good discussions, and Duke made the point. He goes, I was an EMT. You know, if you get you, what happens is you get these guys that are overexerting themselves and you do like a rectal thermometer and it gets 108. You're like, we've got to cool this guy down immediately. Heart attacks, heat strokes. These are things that happen and they happen with fair regularity when it gets hot outside. We've talked about this with the Olympics, too. The Olympics have had a few of the marathons on really hot days. And so that's not been in, in over the over the years. And so the they've had to kind of accommodate for that because that's obviously a pretty big challenge then. When you've got someone who is running in a lot of heat. Not everyone is ready for the heat. So the, 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 I think for me why the decision to cancel this was the right one was the, the expectation of the numbers of people who would be in um, – in a in the emergency room for the metro wide was somewhere around 700 to 900 which would overwhelm our healthcare system immediately i mean it should, you would just you just just with the numbers if you tried to run this thing 700 to 900 it would overwhelm the emergency rooms the the, the medical medical um facilities within the metro would come to a standstill yeah it, it would not be pretty and so out of safety and caution that seems to be the right case but whereas I'm not going to necessarily criticize people that canceled it, I'm also not going to criticize the people who are wanting to run it. And maybe the other argument should have been maybe we run it, but there, as the people check in to run that day, you sit down with them and say, okay, here's what the deal is. Here's the temperatures. You know, we're going to have you sign a secondary liability waiver. And then as well, we want to make sure you understand if you've not been used to running in the heat like this, you do not want to be this. This is not the first marathon you want to be doing in this. And 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 then you put it on, but just with a, an extremely pared down, you know, uh, entry field. So that would be the suggestion. Needless to say, a lot of people did run the marathon yesterday. They just didn't do it officially. And a lot of people were criticizing anyone who dared say they 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 shouldn't be able to weigh in on whether or not they canceled the marathon, which I don't know if that was their role either. One last thing I'll say about this, and you're more than welcome. If you've got a thought on this, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. But one last thing I'm going to say is there was one post I saw where this woman said, I tried to run and I started getting cramps in my calves at five miles. Okay. One of two things. Either you didn't train at all for this marathon. If at five miles you were getting cramps, you didn't train uh, correctly. Or you set yourself up for the race horribly wrong if after five miles. Don't get me wrong. Sure, 10, 11, 12 miles. I'd expect people that are running a marathon to start if it was hot conditions at that point to start getting cramps and, and spasms in the legs. I could see that. But if you're at five miles in a 26-mile run, 26.2-mile run, if you're five miles in, 
Yeah. Okay. My gut feeling is that you, there must be something else going on that you didn't either train correctly or you did not set yourself up for the race correctly, taking around the right amount of fluids beforehand to where, you know, did you, did you do the, the, the office's, you know, carbo loading as you were running, you know, kind of thing, because that's not a good idea. But, you know, if you're getting leg cramps at five miles, even on a hot day, then you shouldn't have been running that marathon. And you're only fooling yourself by basically saying, oh, well, see, I was an example because everyone I've talked to that runs marathons said the same thing. Matt, if if she was actually running that marathon, she should have been training and and cramps kicked in. It should have kicked in around 10, 11 miles. So she either did not train or she set herself up for that run that morning in a very bad position to where she was already hurting. But that, once again, is not on anyone else but themselves. So. Just FYI, I hope they recover from this. I think it's a fantastic event. Um, I really do. But I think you're going to need to move the event. I think you're going to need to reimburse all the runners. And then you're going to have to offer any runner that ran this year or was registered this year a discounted registration rate for next year. Maybe, like I said, in three years, you'll be able to recover. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. The Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Brett, you had someone call in and bring up a point, correct? Yeah, they were talking about the potential litigation and lawsuits that uh, Twin Cities Marathon could face if you have a bunch of people that maybe end up getting hospitalized due to heat exhaustion or things like that. So I that think was the thought I'm pretty so. sure there's a liability waiver where they basically, when you run the race, you basically take into account that you could have a health problem and that they, the, the race is, we're not liable for that, that's on you. That being said, that's we are a litigious society, if anything. And my guess is even with that, they would probably sue them if that was the case. That's why I said what you could have done is had a secondary waiver that said it's going to be a really hot day. When they came in to check in for the race on Sunday morning, it's going to be a really hot day. You're basically understanding we're going to run this race on a very hot day. That means you're once again, we're, we're, you're taking into account you your own health here. And... Really, I think that, you know, I guess the question is, was the race too concerned that that would not be enough, that that would that they'd still be susceptible? I don't know. I, th- I would also make an argument. I, I, I Sometimes it's easy. The, the, the solution is the easiest one. Maybe they just couldn't have the volunteers that sure they, they would have run the thing if they could. But, you know, they couldn't get the volunteers because, you know, they already had volunteered out there. All the volunteers were already dispersed. And they couldn't get enough volu- more volunteers to do more water breaks. I, uh, I got uh, Razor One Brow chimed in. I ran Grandma's Marathon one year with 79 degrees and a dew point of 68. It was awful, but I was fine. Uh, so, you know, it, there are people that do it. And trust me, there are marathon runners down that are training right now in Houston, in Miami, and all these places. Now, I'm not saying that if you took someone from Minneapolis and put them down in Miami, it'd be the same thing. No, of course not. But you don't train for these things like a week ahead of time. This is something that's for months and months and months you're doing this, which means that even if you were in Minnesota, you just ran through that a lot of those summer days, mornings or evenings to basically go run. I remember uh, my wife, she would run 
at night sometimes. You know, she'd like get up at like three or four in the morning because it was going to be a really hot day. So she t- took advantage of the coolest part of the day and got up and ran an extraordinary amount of miles in in the early morning. A lot of people do that, but I don't know. I, I think, like I said, uh, I, I think that I understand the concern for the community if all of a sudden you overwhelm the healthcare system with 700 to 900 you know, heat stroke, heart heart attack cases. I mean, I, I don't know if you have enough ambulances in the metro even to deal with something like that. So that makes a, 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 a viable argument. But the problem is, is you're, this is I don't think this is going to be a one and done. I think you're you're going to have another year where it's going to be like this, and so you're going to have to figure out a way around this problem for future Twin Cities marathons. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five is the phone number. One thing, really quick, and I just wanted to mention this and obviously i imagine i'm gonna be talking more about this unless there's a story that breaks here before i get done um the minneapolis city council has rejected a hundred and forty five thousand dollar worker comp payment for uh minneapolis police department sergeant andrew patel he was in that he was one of the guys that was involved in the beatings of jaleel stallings so finally someone has said oh yeah you shouldn't get workers comp for basically hurting your arm when you beat someone for unjustified reasons in the street of minneapolis so and, and by the way, one city council member did vote to give the guy his... I think we should find out who that is. Actually, I bet I, 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 let me see here. Uh, Vitao, V-E-T-A-W. He was the only yes. Kosky, Chavez, Wansley, and Johnson all voted no. So I don't know what the, the process is. You can sue, I guess. But, you know... yeah. I, 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 want, I would love to hear what your case is going to be, sir, because I know what the def- what, what defense is going to do if you sue the city. I know exactly what they're going to lead with as far as some camera footage, which I don't think you want them to see. So, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Uh, crime update. So we talked a few weeks ago about this, this the incident up in a Duluth bar, at the Rustic Bar in Duluth, where... What had happened was, um, as it was told by the bartender, this woman got into a fight with another woman. Two men broke it up and pushed her out, and she got hurt somehow. The bartender refused to to call for help, and so she eventually stumbled down to her daughter's house. What you find out later is two women were fighting, but then the two men jumped on the other woman and beat her in the bar, and this is on camera, and then as she was lying there bleeding, she was calling, begging for an ambulance to be called. The bar said no. But By the way, soon to be under new ownership. Uh, the, the bar said no, and basically she ended up stumbling down to her daughter's house. Well, this is getting... I, Duluth police do have a reputation of trying to cover up mistakes. Remember the guy that shot through the door of the one gun place up there years ago? They, 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 they do have a tendency of, of, of not following up. Two men accused of attacking a woman at a Duluth bar last month are being charged with misdemeanor assault only. The update into the investigation at the Rustic Bar on Tuesday, September 12th, was announced by Duluth Police Department on Friday, stating that the St. Louis County Attorney's Office has determined not to pursue gross misdemeanor or felony charges in the specific incident. Instead, the case was passed on to the Duluth City Attorney's Office, who has charged Mylon Griak, 56 and Scott Rebold, 41, with misdemeanor fifth-degree assault, which is nothing. Basically, that's the lowest charge you can make to still have a charge. 
and I want to make sure we understand this. These are two grown men, 156, 141, who beat on a woman in a bar. Real men, yes. Yes, you jackasses. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your inadequate manhood. Wow. They beat on this. In the video, it's like I said, you see it. They, there's two men beating on this one. Wow. The two men have been issued citations pending court hearings, but under state law, they cannot be taken into custody on fifth-degree assault charges. In a statement uh, to the news, the St. Louis County Attorney's Office said, based on the information reviewed, the incident does not contain any character chargeable crimes that rise to the level of the St. Louis County Attorney's Office jurisdiction felony level in this incident. For example, felony assault in the third degree requires proof of substantial bodily harm it added, the evidence presented does not support the charges at that level. While the incident is unfortunate and serious, the proper legal jurisdiction for any charging is with the Duluth City Attorney. The announcement from the Duluth Police Department that the men would be prosecuted on less serious misdemeanor charges sparked a fury of complaints. Pictures of the victim showing the extent of her injury she suffered in the assault were shared on social media after, afterwards or the GoFundMe created by the victim's daughter claims the victim has post-concussion syndrome as well as traumatic brain injury. Now, I want to stop right there. Traumatic brain injury, you say. That you're saying that a traumatic brain injury is not substantial bodily harm? Because that sounds like substantial. I mean, I don't know about you. I Brain injury to me sounds kind of screams substantial bodily harm. <laughs> Seems to say, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the definition of the term is Brain injury, substantial bodily harm. I mean, isn't it? Isn't that exactly what's happened to, I think, was it multiple people in the last few years where one punch and the guy has gone down and he's hit his head on the co- concrete or hit his head on the sidewalk and he gets severe brain damage and they die. And so what you're saying, it seems to be, is that, sure, they could have had a pr- traumatic brain injury, but since she didn't die... Uh, it's no worse than a bruise. Well, that seems like a pretty thin line of you know delineation there, doesn't it? You know, is, is she alive still? Okay, well then that's just a, that's just you know that that's just two kids on the playground slap fighting. Oh, she died. Oh, then now we got the serious. Now we're serious about it. Wow! 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 Um. The announcement, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, let with a, a little bit of uh, upset people, needless to say. The daughter alleges the mother was kicked and stomped in the head by men while she was on the ground. In their initial release, police said the two men involved in the incident were trying to break up the fight between the victim and another woman. They issued another statement on the ensuing days after viewing surveillance footage of the incident, saying the two men actually assaulted the victim. Duluth PD, out of their benevolence, benevolence, mind you have said they're not going to charge the woman for being used as a stomping machine. Uh, how, how generous of you. You are saints. Wow. Really? Wow. 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 Um, yeah, I... I Keith Ellison, I think, needs to take a look at this. Because if you have a traumatic brain injury, then this was not a minor incident. You know, a fifth degree assault is 
some kids in a school hallway throwing punches on each other. It's not stomping on someone's head. And since the beginning of this case, it's been screaming cover-up from the beginning. And now it seems as if there's, there's this attempt here. Don't get me wrong. This woman has got a airtight alibi. She's going to be owning a bar here. Because I don't know if you remember, like I said, the bartender, she was asking the bartender to call an ambulance, and the bartender refused to call an ambulance. And, and so she had to go stumbling out of the bar. But needless to say, the fact that they lied and the fact that they did nothing to help this woman, which is all on camera, that bar is going to be under new ownership here before too long. That being said, it is clear something went on here. Something really bad. Something criminal. And I get the impression from the Duluth PD that the main job here is to CYA. And if I'm not mistaken, the woman here who is the victim is also a minority. So, yeah, I'm getting the impression there's a little bit of that going on here. I think I think the city council, I think the, the, the city attorney needs to step aside and ask the you know Keith Ellison for his legal advice on this and what he would charge with. And if it comes back with anything other than fifth degree assault, then the St. Louis County attorney is going to need to explain to other people why they saw something else in that video that the the you know attorney general for the state didn't did indeed see. So I, I think that's that's the case on that. I also want to come back. I'm going to take a break. When I come on back, I want to touch once again on the Granite Falls shooting because uh, there was an incident there. And once again, there doesn't seem to be a, 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 any answers coming forward on why exactly this guy was shot by police. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. I see you By the way, Brett, you want to clear out congestion real fast? I got two for you. A spicy fa bowl, Southeast Asian cuisine. <laughs> Indian food. I did Indian food on Saturday night. Like a charm, man. Cleared it right up, slept well at everything, right? <laughs> oh, man. That is just, that. I mean, that's one of the great things about world cuisine is you can, you discover, you think chicken soup takes care of you. Go to a little chicken masala, spicy. There you go, man. Delicious. Thank you. Thank you. It's, 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 I, I, I love this town, man. I love this town and the opportunities that we have here. 952-946-6205. So a trend I have seen, a trend I have noticed. When there is a police shooting, generally, fairly quickly after a police shooting, if the victim is guilty of something that justified the shooting, the news media is wallpapered with here's the body cam footage here you can see this was a this was a justified shooting this is everything you know this was good quality police work amen good deal fine when all of a sudden you don't hear that much about things after a few days hmm hmm that should be the case and i i pegged this one last week and i want more answers on this a 23-year-old Granite Falls man shot by officers in west-central Minnesota this week is listed in critical condition on Friday morning, according to a spokesperson from the HCMC in Minneapolis. Dylan McCade Anderson Butler, who was shot by a member of the Cooperative Enforcement Effort, 
Drug Task Force has been listed in stable condition immediately following the Wednesday shooting. He was wanted by the State Department of Corrections for alleged violations of his supervised release. Okay, so all right, so we're not exactly talking the crime of the century. Uh, some violations of his supervised release. Not saying it's good, but it's not exactly like he's, you know, injecting infants with fentanyl or something like that. You know, it's it's there is there is a you know there's a difference here. But it sounds like he's he's violated his his supervised release, alleged violations, and that's their term, alleged violations. So it sounds like they're following up on seeing if there were alleged violations. The task force attempted to apprehend Anderson Butler on Wednesday while he was in a vehicle, but he fled on foot into the Granite Falls City Cemetery, Southeast 35th Street. Chippewa County Sheriff's Derek Olson said that Anderson Butler, who did have a weapon, refused to follow commands and was shot during his apprehension. Okay, now, what did we not hear there? Was he threatening the police with a weapon and henceforth was shot? Because that's a pretty big difference. I don't know what weapon he had. He could have had a gun on him. He could have had a a knife. But are we to the point once again already to where Matt, you know, if they would have shot him what they did, he could have turned around and turned his gun in with his mutant powers into a ray beam and he could have wiped out the entire town of Clarence Falls. That's good quality police work. You know, is that what we're about to get? Because the first thing I thought of when I read this story, I'm like, okay, I don't hear the justification to shoot the guy. If he didn't face the officer, was he? Did he pull the weapon? If he did, I mean, once again, that all bets are off. You know, you know, officer safety understood. No court in the land is going to 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 try him. But you're not saying that he threatened the officers with a weapon. You're saying he had a weapon on him, which are two very different things. You also say he was refusing to follow commands and was shot during his apprehension. So, did you shoot? Uh, was he running and you shot him because you just wanted convenience? Is I mean, where did the bullet enter him? And I think that that's a very big question. If he was shot in the back, then what are you doing here? Because then it sounds like what happened is you shot him because you just didn't want to run. I'll stop him. Bam. Got him. We have some questions about alleged violations on your supervised release. Sorry for the bullet wound. That doesn't sound like it's justified. It doesn't sound like it's justified in the least bit in any capacity in any decent society whatsoever. So we have some questions here that need to have answering. Was the guy threatening the police? Was the guy shot from behind? Did you shoot him because you just don't want... I mean, I, I I did not want to run that day. I just, I mean, I did not have my running shoes on. I was, you know, he was speedy. Emergency medical personnel attended to him before he was taken to HCMC. Court records show Anderson Butler was sentenced to over five years of prison for felony drug charges in March. A DOC spokesman says he has extensive past offenses related to drugs and was most recently released from prison to supervised release in July. Okay. Oh, I'm not saying this guy was a saint, but you still don't just shoot people. If, if uh, We have to find out what happened in the case. We just have to. Olson said Friday that Anderson Butler was picked up for a DOC violation several 
uh, and severed time in uh, Chippewa County Jail for July 27th to August 15th. He said Anderson Butler, a longtime resident of Granite Falls, but the July arrest made it a residence in Montevideo. The State Bureau of Criminal Apprehension had begun an investigation is expected to provide further details this week, as spokesman said on Friday. Um, yeah, we need some answers. And once again, the guy basically turns, pulls a weapon, you know, understood. You know, police got to keep themselves safe. But if this guy was running away from you and just because you didn't want to track him down, someone put a bullet in his back, well, someone needs to be fired. And someone's going to be paying a lot of money for someone for a wrongful shooting. Hour two, that's coming up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Monday. Good to be with you, Matt and Brett here. Should mention uh, Michael Broadcorp going to join us. Uh, he is, I imagine, a little happier that the Vikings won. He'll give us their, his Viking analysis, and then also I'm going to talk a little bit. With, I got to talk a little bit later this hour myself about Dean Phillips, but I'm also going to talk with him a little bit about him. What his thoughts are on there. Uh, we avoided a shutdown that uh, came out. Did you see McCarthy? I think it was on was he on CBS uh, when he came on out there and he's like, "We passed this without the Democrats," and she's like, "Wait a second here." More Democrats voted for this than your own Republican Party. What are you talking about? It, 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 the the, the, the never-ending attempt by them to turn this into something that us and them, it's, this is delicious watching this whole thing. They're imploding right now, and it's just great. I can't wait for uh, Speaker Tom Emmer. Wouldn't that just be hilarious? He, he won't get it. I will, I, here's the question. Would you ever find anyone who would unify that side? Because – Tom Emmer, I mean, I don't think he's dumb enough to take that job. That's the better point. Who wants the job? I mean, it's it's, who okay, could win? So who you have it? to you what you have to do is somehow, I mean, what this is what that 40 person right wing fringe in the house wants. They want you as speaker to force the most far right bill you can possibly force even though a part of your own Republican party doesn't want to do that. Then somehow force the Senate to do it, then somehow force Biden to do it, or shut the whole thing down and then just basically make next year a referendum after the government's been shut down for a full year, make next year a referendum on whether or not they should do this, which you know at that point you're not going to be speaker after the next election because you're going to get annihilated at the, at the election polls. Or, or you do like McCarthy does, which is basically – I mean, the only concession Democrats made was funding for Ukraine. Ukraine. It basically was the bill that he came up with 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 Joe Biden, minus the Ukraine funding, and you know he he lost what a hundred votes from the Republican Party or something like that. It was not. It was there was quite a few people in the Republican Party that voted against it. So this is this is a month and a half. I think they're trying to get the. the I think this was solely to get this past the off year election. To, to help that make not that not be the case. But my guess is going to be is come that will be what November fifteenth. Come November fifteenth. Um I I'm gonna guess the 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 country's gonna be shut down until well into the next year. Through the holidays and everything else. Yeah, they're they're celebrating. We we did it was forty five days. You didn't do anything. You just kicked the can down the road a little further. Well and they it's it's funny how all these little Mussolinis on the right, and that's where they are. They're just a bunch of little Mussolinis running around. They're sitting there saying, why aren't you doing everything I say we should do? And they don't get it. They just they don't understand that there's no way in the planet they're going to get that done. 
And, you know, it's it's always fun when the people behind the Republicans, the, the, these really wealthy people, after the Republicans screw stuff up. I mean, because there's this, there's this eternal fight behind the scenes in the Republican Party of the people that are part of these ideologue zealots that want to basically turn America back into this 18th century, you know, you know, world where big business rules, everyone else is basically, you know, either cheap labor or slave labor, uh, women don't have any rights, that sort of thing. And on the other side of that, their funding is these millionaires and billionaires who don't want really the world to change at all. They like how the world is because they make a lot of money on it this way. So if you start changing things, it's going to be going. And what eventually happens is these, these little Mussolinis, they listen to the zealots first. And then all of a sudden comes in and is like, oh, hi, yeah, we're the banking industry. We are going to bankrupt you nationwide unless you basically get this thing passed. And within minutes, within minutes, all of a sudden little Mussolinis are all in line like, oh, you know what? We proved our point. So we're going to pass the bill that we don't – we were just arguing against because at the end of the day, they like their zealots, but they like their money more. And they realize that they have no chance on the planet at basically all the the money people that bankroll them pull all their money at once. There's no way in the world they're going to win. So – that's what's going to happen when probably beginning of the second quarter of next year, when all of a sudden, you know, earnings start coming in and businesses are having problems because of the government shutdown and it's hurting actual American business. Bunch of those money people behind the scenes are going to be like, here's the deal. Uh, we're going to make sure you're never elected again unless this thing gets passed in 20 minutes and bark twice if you understand. And, <laughs> and off they go. Oh, God. And, and by the way, Lauren Boebert, you know, you know. Okay, I can't do that joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just well, really, you can't do it. Uh, well, you, know, you can do some things with her. I give, yeah, there are some things you can do there. I mean, I've. <laughs> <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. There you go. <laughs> Don't get me laughing. I'm going to start coughing. Not when you have allergies. No, no, no allergies, man. I'm, I'm, I'm inhaling cough drops like crazy here. Think there's no thank God there's no wasps in here. <laughs> this would be a mirror. It'd be a nightmare. It's warm enough to get wasps. in Oh, there. it is. It is. This could be like we could we could have our own honey here. Have you ever thought about this? I mean, it would make the shows a little more difficult. But I mean, it's still. I mean, delicious honey. Yum. I am part bear. All right. So uh, I want to bring up this. I saw this story. I want to bring this up because uh, this is a serious thing, and, and, and my family has lost two dogs to blastomycosis. This is a disease. Basically, it's a fungus, and it grows in the dirt, and basically, for lack of a better way to say it, dogs go smell around in the dirt. They inhale the spores. They get in their lungs, and it's and actually, I've, I was surprised to hear they have discovered finally a clue. The last dog we had that had blasto, which was in the early 90s. It died, and they said that they basically they can they can pump a human with enough antibodies because apparently down in Tennessee, in the mining communities of Tennessee, they get blastomyosis in humans down there or West Virginia. I can't remember where the, what the vet told us. They can they can pump enough you know antibiotics into a human to get them going, but they can't do it with a dog. But that was back then. Apparently, they have found a cure. But it is something you have to catch early. And I, I've made this point. There was, there's a lot of lakes up in northern Minnesota where you'll be on the lake and they'll have a bay that's called either locally or it's even on the map called Dead Dog Bay. Don't let your dog in that bay. Don't, go, don't pull your boat in. Don't go in that bay. 
because more than likely there's blasto there. And it is very serious. Another delightful part of climate change may be cases of suction called blastomycosis are increasing along the North Shore and areas of northern Minnesota. Blasto is an infection caused by fungus called uh, blastomyces, which can infect humans and animals. It is commonly found in northern regions of Minnesota along areas such as the St. Croix River, Mississippi River, and the surrounding Great Lakes. According to the Minnesota Department of Health, the infection usually occurs by breathing in spores of the fungi, which are generally found in moist soils, particularly in wooded areas, such as boreal forests and along waterways. In terms of recent trends, we're actually seeing a lot of more blasto cases in both animals and people over the past five to six years, said uh, Malia Ireland, a senior epidemiologist with the Minnesota Department of Health. Prior to 2016, Ireland said the median number of blasto cases for animals was approximately 100 per year. However, since then, the median case numbers have risen to 200 to 250. Now, I want to stop you there. You want to know how things are, quickly things are changing here? In 2016, this is what, eight years ago? Not, you know, seven years ago, seven years ago, they were having 100 cases per year. Now they're having 200 to 250 cases per year. Well, the Minnesota Department of Health has not finalized the data for 2022, Ireland says we'll probably end up with over 400 cases in the whole state in 2022. The increase of blasto can be attributed to better overall reporting, Ireland explained. However, environmental conditions such as increased precipitation and flooding play a significant role. And we just had a ton of flooding. Now, these are numbers from 2022. We just had a ton of flooding up in Duluth in that area this year. I'm kind of scared to death of what we're going to see up there. And why, why are we having all these torrential rainstorms? Climate change. Yeah, I know. Northern Minnesota, in particular, Cook County experienced a significant flooding. Now, Cook is the very northern uh, part of it, the, the end of it, the arrowhead over there, right before Canada, right? That's Grand Marais, I believe. It's St. Louis, Lake, and Cook. I think those go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those go in order. Yeah, yeah it's Cook, Cook is the, the top one. Uh, they experienced significant flooding in May of 2022 and again during the spring of 2023, so, many that, so that many have increased the, increased the range of this fungus can thrive in the soil. Of approximately 400 blasto cases in animals reported in Minnesota in 2022, Cook County had three confirmed cases. So far in 2023, the Minnesota Department of Health has received four blastomyosis cases from in Cook County dogs. While that's not a significant increase in Cook County, it's something to be aware of. Cedar Grove Veterinary Clinic in Grand Marais has diagnosed two cases of blasto in recent weeks. Nader Samari, the owner and veterinarian at Cedar Grove Veterinary Clinic, says... Since said since the clinic's establishment seven years ago, he has treated 25 dogs for blasto. Having 25 cases in seven years is a large number, and it seems to be growing. A portion of the 25 dogs treated for blasto at the veterinary clinic, they'll live in Thunder Bay, Canada, and travel to Grand Marais to receive treatment. Although a few Canadian provinces report on blastomyosis, the Canadian government states the true incidence of blasto is unknown and is not reportable nationally in Canada. Which I guess I, to a point I, I'm not surprised by. To a point because I think it doesn't go much further than north than Thunder Bay. But clearly they're getting it in Thunder Bay. They're getting problems there. So if you're planning a trip up there, taking your dog, you might want to find out areas where it's relatively safe to take your dog. Um, yeah, this is, this is concerning. This is very concerning. And we have such a interesting dog culture. They let you take dogs to the, like I said, and the llama fell in love with my Sheltie. He was smitten from the second he saw her. The, there were a lot of dogs that were there 
and you see these yellow labs and black labs and golden retrievers. You see some of the little dogs and stuff like that. We all take them up north and everything like that. And all of a sudden, you know, it was it's it's kind of one of those things where you you you, you the thought of all of a sudden we start having a substantial amount of these dogs passing away because of this fungus is is really scary. The last dog that my parents had that passed away from this was a little dachshund. And dachshunds, if you, you know, dachshunds love sniffing the ground and running around. They're very cute. And his name was Otto. And Otto, um, I took him for a walk. And I've always, one of the truth is, I took him for a walk in Minnetonka, actually. <coughs> over by, um, there was a park over there by Big Willow. And I took him back in there and on the leash. And there's a little creek back there and all these things. And, you know, fairly soon afterwards, he was diagnosed with, with blasto. And my parents said he was around the house um, for the most part, so they couldn't figure out what it is. Now, one of the things about this this disease is it's now you discovered that he could have had it a long time ago. And it just kind of, you know, waits in its lungs and then all of a sudden it explodes in that way. So he could have actually been infected months earlier. But until I knew that, I, I felt guilty as heck because I thought I was the reason why. I, me taking Otto for a walk just out, in, you know, out there was, was that. My parents always said, no, no, that couldn't have been. It couldn't have been. But this is it, – it is very dangerous. It is very serious. If you're taking your dog up north, you know, if you start noticing anything about your dog that's, that's – that's gone. Mainly they're not eating. They, they, they seem to have breathing issues, stuff like that. Contact your vet right away. Like I said, I was surprised when I read the rest of the story that there indeed is now a treatment for it. There wasn't one when Otto got it for dogs. That was just you put them to sleep. That was all you could do. So, you know, there is a treatment, but it's, the treatment works if you catch it early enough. And, I, you know, there's a lot of people that have it. Like I said, 400 cases. That means, you know, 400 Dogs have got Blasto this year. And the good news is from this treatment they have that only 20%, you know, and I don't want to say that to make it sound like that's horrible, 20% pass away. But back when Otto got sick, it was 100% pass away. So the fact that they've got it to an 80% survival rate is pretty damn amazing. But still, it's not something you want to see your pup go through. So just be careful. If anything out of this, it's a, it's kind of a, just a safety tip. Keep your heads up. Keep an eye open. And hopefully you never have to deal with that. All right? All right. Uh, let's take a break. Come on back. Dean Phillips, we have to have a discussion. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. So, um... Okay, we, we've talked about Dean Phillips. So uh, last year before the midterm elections, Dean Phillips was out there and he was he, – he was he, for some reason he decided to say, oh, I don't think Joe Biden should run again, even though Joe Biden had clearly run things. Now, just a quick side note on this. So you're concerned about his age, but he's delivering. And he's delivering really well. And he delivered, he's delivered one of the best first terms of a president in the history of this country. I mean, we're talking top three first terms 
really, of all time. If you look at the amount of bills he got passed, amount of, 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 of things he got done, undeniable. So if your argument is going to be, oh, he's too old for the job, well, you, you, you better have a better argument than that because he seems to be able to do the job. And that's the case. Now, it could just be, I don't like old people. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, he goes on out and he says that Biden shouldn't run again. And the first thing I said, dude, this is an unforced error. What are you doing? And I said this because within 20 minutes of him saying this, the news reporters of this town, because it was a Democrat saying something, ran up to Governor Walls and said, did you hear about Dean Phillips? He said that Joe Biden should run. What do you think? Huh? 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 What do you think? Huh? 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 And so Governor Walls had to deal with Dean Phillips' comments. Thanks a lot, Dean. I appreciate that. And Walls was a pretty much a master of it. He basically said, I'm focused on my reelection. I'm not focused on the presidential election quite yet. He has been floating ideas. He, he, he's made the rounds. He's gone on all these things because he's the Democrat basically calling for change, that we should have a different person running for president. Now, I have said in the past, I don't think this is going to work too well for you because I think most of the Democratic Party wants to have Joe Biden as the president again. But that being said, I've said this. You want to run against him. That is your right. You file the paperwork. You file what you, you do what you need to do. Fine. If you run and he wins, I'm supporting Joe Biden. If Dean Phillips somehow managed to pull up the upset, I'm not an idiot. I'm voting for Dean Phillips over the human crap sandwich that is Donald Trump. That's not too hard. But it was pretty clear that most of the money and most of the people in the Democratic Party are behind Joe Biden at this point, which makes these maneuvers kind of interesting. The Minnesota U.S. Representative Dean Phillips confirmed Sunday he is leaving the House leadership role, to which many of us said, wait, he had a leadership role? (laughs) Uh, Okay. After taking a lonely stand among the elected Democrats with his public concerns over Democratic President Joe Biden's 2024 re-election run. Phillips, who represents Minnesota's suburban third district, has said in a statement that his convictions relative to the 2024 presidential race are incrugent with the major majority of his my caucus. And I feel it's appropriate to step aside from elected leadership. The news was first reported by Axios. Phillips was chosen by his fellow Democrats last year to be one of the co-chairs of the House Democratic Policy and Communications Committee. So not exactly top of the line leadership position, but still, I guess, technically a position. Phillips, who said earlier this summer he was worried the Democrats are sleepwalking into a repeat of 2016 when Republican Donald Trump won the White House, has called for Biden to pass the torch. Yet Phillips has made clear support Biden if the 80-year-old is once again becomes the Democratic nominee next year. Spokesperson for the House Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries, declined to comment about Phillips' news on Sunday. Phillips said in a text message to the Star Tribune that leaving the House Democratic leadership was his own decision. Leader Jeffries and our entire leadership team never even so much as implied I should step down, Phillips said in one of the several text messages to the Star Tribune. I know my conviction was being caused discomfort in the caucus, as evidenced by the colleagues stating so at a caucus meeting this week. Uh, while political messaging and caucus messaging do not mix, I do not want to be a distraction for the latter. All right, so this is leading to speculation. He might try to run. I don't think this is a good idea for him. But, okay, let's, uh, there, there's a few things I want to step back from. First of all, this. We have to understand one thing about the Democratic Party. I have said this before. It is a very wide umbrella. you got Bernie Sanders and you've got Manchin under the same umbrella. Those are two wildly different people. 
And the problem the Democratic Party has is that there's no requirement support the party platform to become a Democrat. They just let anyone in. And so you can have people from the extreme far left. You can have people who used to be moderate Republicans all under the same thing because there's no requirement for you to back certain platform positions. And that's a mistake. I think that the Democratic Party has let too many people in who are not really Democrats. Now, that being said, would I be surprised? I mean, in in 1980, would Dean Phillips have been a moderate Republican? He might have been. Either that or a very moderate Democrat, borderline at best. But I wouldn't be surprised. But the moderate Republicans realized their party was running for the lunatic fringe. So an insane amount of moderate Republicans ran and became part of the Democratic Party because there was no other party in the middle. And it's one of the reasons why, if you look at the last two presidents before Biden on the Democratic side, Obama and Clinton, both of them were very moderate presidents. They were both very much on the moderate side. Now, I have said before, I don't really have a problem with moderate candidates as long as they remember the Democratic Party platform. Governor Walls is a moderate. He is. But he, outside of one bill, he signed every bill that came to his desk, every stinking one of them. That is a leader. And I know he probably didn't agree with all of them, but he did understand that the party platform came first. And so they got it passed. He signed it. He is a major cog there. The problem is, is you do not want to have a Democrat in a position where they're basically not signing these bills and fighting their own party. I do not think Dean Phillips would have signed all the bills that Governor Walls did. I don't think so. I think Dean Phillips looks at Joe Biden and Joe Biden is an Al Gore Democrat, a centrist. In the Democratic Party, you have moderates like Clinton and Obama. You have centrists like Al Gore. You have Paul Wellston, who's on the left. That's the best way to, I think, break it down. I consider myself an Al Gore Democrat. I'm a centrist of the Democrat. Occasionally, you'll hear me say something fairly conservative. Sometimes I'll say things, a lot of times I'll say things fairly progressive. I consider myself an Al Gore Democrat. I think Joe Biden's an Al Gore Democrat. I think he's in the middle of the party. I think that that's a little too liberal for Dean Phillips. I think that this is what really he's getting at is that he's not you – know, would Dean Phillips – would he go and walk a picket line with the union guys? I, I don't think he would. Now, I could be wrong. I don't know if when they were they were striking over to the southeast part of the metro. I can't remember what the, the group was striking over there. But I remember a lot of DFLers were headed over there and were, were walking the picket lines with those guys. Uh, I don't think he was part of that group. I don't think he's a far-right conservative. I don't. I don't get any impression from that at all. But I guess the question I have is, are we about to see him make a run for president? And if he doesn't win it, do we get that press conference where he's like, the party's left me. And all of a sudden he is claiming to either be an independent or he's jumping into the Republican Party. I don't know. I think he needs he's doing a really bad job of clarifying where his position is at right now. And I think he needs to do a much better job of coming out and saying, yes, okay, and maybe this could just be it. I've stepped down from party leadership because I realized my stance on Joe Biden wasn't helping. I have no intention of running against him in 2024. And this might all be and I've been the first to say this. This might all be just him setting himself to be up a name in 2028. Could very easily be. And in, the, in, that, in that realm, that's not the worst damn idea I've ever seen. It's actually kind of smart, at least to get his name out there. 
It's not a. It is. You think about that. I mean, he's already. Who else? I mean, I mean, Kamala Harris. You're going to hear about, obviously. But Dean Phillips is already putting his name out there for 2028. But the fact that he's not being very clear leads me to believe this is still something about 2024. And I just do this, man. I mean, you can't win the Democratic nomination without the union support. You're telling me more unions are going to support you than Joe Biden? Joe Biden, who just walked a picket line, the first president in the history to walk a picket line with the workers? You're saying that you're going to get more union support than he is? Please. I think you need to I think you need to clarify what you're going to do because this cat and mouse game is getting real old real fast. And I can tell you right now from a lot of people cuz Dean, I'm in your district now. I got moved over after the redistricting. Used to be Ilhan Omar, I'm now in your district. There's a lot of people in your district right now who are asking, "What in the hell is he doing?" And they're not asking that in a good tone. And these are your supporters. And these are the people that you need volunteering and door knocking and helping you out in your district. They're the ones who are saying, what is he doing? So I'm going to give you some advice. You need to start on what you're because it's going to become very difficult for you if you lose your own base in your own district. 952-946-6205. We'll touch on this with Michael Broadcorp when we do come back. But that's Ang's gushing. You can already hear he's getting ready to kiss Kirk Cousins. You can see. We'll talk to you to come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Hey, they got a win. It's going to be it's going to be a happy time. Michael Broadcorp is kind enough to join us. Of course, he is a podcaster, a political pundit, and our friend here, our Vikings expert. He's kind enough today to join us to talk about the Vikings victory at Carolina yesterday. Hi, Michael. How are you, my friend? Super Bowl, baby. Super Bowl. <laughs> We're going all the way. Wow. That's it. You heard it here first. You're invoking a Bears fan at this point. When all, and, but the, the sad part about Bears fan is like they get one play and they start screaming Super Bowl. Oh, God. It was a nice win. I'm going to say this. It was a nice win on the road. Carolina's not a great team, but they, they played them and they won that game as they should have. It was a seven-point game. I mean, it was an eight-point game was the win. That was exactly what they needed to get kind of at least that first win on the belt, hopefully getting them some momentum heading into next Sunday versus Kansas City. Yes. Now, let me be serious with your listeners. Okay. Uh, I, I don't – I mean, I don't have an expectation that they're Super Bowl-bound yet. But it is one win under our belt, uh, and it's a, it's all we needed. And hopefully it starts some some momentum. But we do have – we do have a couple hurdles coming our way. We have the, uh, but let's talk about the Panthers. Let's let's focus on the good before we get to the uh, rough seas ahead. The okay, so let's talk about Kirk Cousins. And by the way, I'm just I've just let Brett know I'm going to get you one of these two. I found a T-shirt that says it's got a picture of uh, uh, you know Kirky Chains when he's uh, was shirtless with his chains on, and the the caption is when your cousin is hot. And I'm going to get that T-shirt for you, so you have it for you. <laughs> I will talk to you about getting a red size. I saw that. Um, Cousins, I'm not going to get too upset about the second interception. He got hit. The ball was a wobbler. That's a fine no. thing. That first one, what was he doing? He just, I mean, we all saw him just stare at where he was going to throw the ball. The guy that intercepted it and ran it back for 99 yards, he basically got a running start on that, and it was it was over. I mean, it was that was just such... It was it was early in the game. It was just such a bad pass. 
but yet it was once again that embodies, you know, Kirk has this bad habit of basically not utilizing all the weapons he has on the field and just picking one, and that's the one he's going to throw to. Correct. If, if we want to be consistent, Matt, as we noted last week when I was on, you and I have never been NFL quarterbacks, nor have we played professional football. That being said, sitting at home, um, it was uh, if, if I didn't have my glasses on, I could have seen that play developing from my living room. And it's frustrating to me sometimes a little bit of Cousins' line of sight and how he sees the play develop. And so it was frustrating. It was a tough call. I mean, a tough play. He's not prone to that type of stuff. And what's, again, surprising is kind of a little bit of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde that seems to come out with, with Kirk Cousins. He's, he's either really hot or he's really cold. There's not a lot of in-between with Kirk Cousins. And mm-hmm. so what we've seen this season is – these one-score games, these close games, where I think we got spoiled last year, we're just seeing the type of plays that didn't happen last year, the type of tips that didn't happen, happen this more, happen more this season. And it's been difficult to watch. It's put a lot of, uh, it's put a lot of Vikings fans, uh, uh, hearts through an extra workout for the game, but they got the win. Mm-hmm. And so I do think, if they want to be a team, if this is a turnaround for the Vikings, and again, they're one and three, but we are Vikings fans, so we have to be optimistic. If this is a turnaround that they needed, when they have some of their opponents that are coming up uh, two out of the next three games, they really have to make sure that those self-inflicted mistakes don't happen like that. You cannot yeah. expect to win against the Chiefs, and you cannot expect to win against the 49ers. Um, I don't think you can arguably expect to win against the Bears, who are, I think, all, are, uh, at the with those type of plays. Yeah. And so the Vikings need to, to need to clean up their act real uh, quick. There, Cousins does. There were multiple plays last year. It was a remarkable how many times he put a ball. Uh, in a place which didn't even seem possible. I mean, he looked great last year, and there were times he was throwing balls as better than the, the best ever in the, in the position. This year, there were multiple. There still are multiple plays where I see him just outright overthrowing a receiver. And I don't know if it's the is the receiver in the wrong position or if it's Kirk. But I'm going to presume it's kind of Kirk because you know there's only so much. I mean, Jefferson seems to know exactly where he's supposed to be at all times. So he does seem to have a little bit off here that from last year. And I don't know if it's Thielen not being lined up there, or what the case may, or 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 the the the, the running back situation. But he definitely does seem to be something else is going on up there a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, I mean, yes. Also, what's coming in with Cousins is some of just the overall ball play. Um, the ball play. I mean, he has the ball on every. He has his hands on the ball every time you know the Vikings are at offense. But Cousins has uh, had some fumbles and some odd turnovers this season, and. I do think it's a combination of, you know, it's a combination of a little bit of, you know, the wide receivers and where he's throwing downfield. But I think a lot of the mistakes, not to pile too much on Kirk Cousins' shoulders, but a lot of the mistakes right now that we're experiencing do seem to fall on his shoulders a bit. I don't want to be unfair, particularly Mm -hmm. when I haven't worn an NFL uniform. But I do think that if there's a player that has a lot of this responsibility on his shoulders right now, it's Cousins. And again, when the Viking, when Cousins does well, the Vikings do well. Yep. But there is really kind of, as we enter Halloween season, not to lean too much hard into that, but there is a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde going on right now with, with Kirk Cousins. Yeah. 
Uh, two nice. He those those two touchdown throws were both nice. That was that was one good thing there. They were nice. Let's very nice. Let's look on the real positive thing. That defense, especially once again, you know, Carolina's going to score. They're at, I think on the like the twelve to thirteen yard line, and they just manhandled the the Carolina you know offensive line. It was it was great to see sack after sack. I thought they 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 did a really good job. I mean. Really, I mean, as a matter of fact, considering the the one touchdown Carolina had was a was a you know interception return, they basically really kind of pushed the Carolina Panthers around the entire game. Yes, the, the, there was there was a real kind of they stepped into their own this game, mm-hmm. and there's a lot to be positive about that. I understand yeah. that this was a contest between two zero and three teams, but there was a lot of a lot that Vikings fans can be positive about coming out of this game. And there's some momentum that they have coming into the Chiefs game. Um, there's a lot of things to be positive about. And the play of the defense is one of them that could be positive about. The other thing, Matt, I would say, to a point that you made very early in the season, we're now in game four. And as we talked about some of the preseason games being less significant in the NFL this year, it, it shouldn't – and I agreed with your analysis on that – the fact that we're coming into game four, game four and the Vikings are, are kind of starting to click for the first time, albeit there are still some mistakes, it is a bit consistent with what you said about the lack of emphasis put on the preseason games and the lack of fine-tuning that happens, and that's spilling over into the, into the regular season games. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I and I, I it was nice to see they they got consistent pressure. I mean, it was they have a bad habit. This team has a really bad habit of allowing a quarterback who's either a rookie or a washed up guy look like a you know a Super Bowl hero in games like that. That was my concern. They never let that happen. They got consistent pressure, and they did did well. Uh, Thielen was all upset at the end of the game because on the final play, the the, the Vikings had a play to run off all the time on the clock. It was a fourth down play. They decided just to well, hike it and Cousins. Were rolled out to the right and he threw the ball out of bounds. Thielen was throwing a fit. He thought he was still in the pocket when he did. None of the referees threw a flag. I went back and looked at the play myself. He does take about five steps off to the right. He wasn't in the pocket. I mean, I, I didn't have any problem. Did you? And obviously we're two Vikings fans. That was the game. I mean, because if it would have been intentional grounding, it would have given Carolina one play on about the 12 yard line to throw into the end zone to possibly tie the game. So, but I went back and looked at it. I did not see anything that close to intentional grounding there. It did look like Cousins was well enough out of the pocket. Yeah, correct. I thought the same too. I will just say that as Vikings fans and to your Vikings listeners out there, we should file that play away for when we're complaining at, at will likely happen at a later point down the road about the referees that we, we might not have fully snuck one past the goalie. But there may have been an opportunity for a for a flag to be called. But just remember that you know we if we want to be consistent. One last thing I want to say about defense: Harrison Smith. Yes, I mean Harrison Smith just continues to just be just fantastic. You know he had he had three sacks, two two tackles for a loss and a forced fumble. I mean he can just continues to dominate uh, in that position and uh, seems to be just an absolutely defensive spotlight and highlight for the Vikings. Are you going to Are you going to go to just to see if Taylor Swift is at the next game? <laughs> I'm not going. My You're sister not? is going, oh. but, but my my sister my sister is going. Uh, I'm not going, but I, I hope that she comes. Can I also just say, and I just and this is falls to more people on the the center conservative center right people. Yeah, a lot of conservative center right dudes got angry about this Barbie movie. I did not, and these center right guys. After are now picking fights with Twifties. 
And you just got to stop. Stop picking these fights that you're doing on social media. Uh, it's fantastic for the NFL that, that, that she's attending these games and she's a part of the process. Uh, the NFL, I don't know if you saw this on social media, the NFL speaking of Taylor Swift, updated their background page yes. on Twitter yes. to be Taylor Swift. <laughs> it's just fantastic. It's fantastic marketing. It's great work on their part. Oh, well, and, to my center-right friends, not to say that I have any influence with my center-right friends, but to my center-right friends out there, please stop picking fights, these stupid fights. Stop picking fights about Barbie and stop picking fights about Taylor Swift. You're never going to win. Travis Kelsey's jersey is now the best-selling one in the league, by the way. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And, and so, and you're, but you're right. Don't. This is an unforced fumble to use, you know, liter- you know, what we're doing here. Yeah. Uh, but it's unforced fumble. Yeah. You do not attack a bunch. The, the, the Taylor Swift fans are the most loyal fans you'll ever see. And yeah. they're all coming to voting age. Do not do this if you, if you want a success. Um, I do think it is a little contrived. I think it is, but it's, you're right. It's brilliant marketing by the NFL. Definitely bringing in a different, uh, uh, demographic into the games. Uh, so Taylor, if we, we, we host the Kansas City Chiefs this upcoming weekend. Uh, you were then at the Bears, you host the 49ers, and then you're at the yeah. Packers. All right. I think that if the Vikings do want to have a chance at being in a playoff condition contention at the end of the season, in these next four games, they have to go three and one. Is that a fair assessment? It is a fair assessment. And also to the point that you said earlier in this season, to piggyback on your analysis once again, the Vikings have to make up a game that they were not planning on. I mean, they now have to pick up a game for losing to Tampa Bay like they did. Um, they now have to pick up a game. Mm-hmm. And so now they have to win a game. They're in a position now where you don't want to be in the NFL where it's difficult for teams that are 0-3 to make the playoffs statistically. I understand it can happen. But now the Vikings are in a situation where they really have lost all of their margin for error for losing any games. They don't – and so – in order to be in the driver's seat, they have to win. They have to be winning every game. Now, it's not realistic for the Vikings to have a run of, you know, the following, you know, 13 some games that they're going to win them all. But the truth of the matter is they have to win more than they lose. Mm-hmm. And they need to go through this. And this is a, there's not an easy part of their schedule. They still have to play Detroit twice. Um, I'm not as worried about Green Bay, but they have to play Detroit twice. And so, they have a rough schedule ahead. And so I think it's going to be tough if we're being fair about the the schedule, Matt. I think mm-hmm. it's tough for them to not expect them to have to win, They have to continue to win because mm-hmm. they're really running out of wiggle room. When you start to be at this late in the se- early in the season, you know, four losses on your record, it's really tough just mentally to slog through the league mm-hmm. and come out ahead. But we'll see. Well, but they it, have to be. They have to win. If they go three and one in those games, they'll be four and four. And then there is one little stretch here, which they it, it does uh, shine a little on them. They they're at the Falcons after that Packers game, host the Saints yep. at the Broncos, host the Bears. Those are not exactly you know the the toughest teams you're ever going to play. And so there there was a legitimate chance they could end up having seven or eight wins. By the end of that, and that that actually does put them much more into playoff contention and makes those Detroit games, uh, you know, much more interesting as we get towards the end of the season. You're spot on, but the only thing that I will push back on is yes. we lost to Tampa Bay, and we were yes. not expecting to lose to Tampa Bay. <laughs> yes. So in your scenario, all those games that you're laying out there that that the Vikings should win, the only problem with that scenario is that they should win, and we'll <laughs> see if they actually do. 
<laughs> I'm just I'm just enamored with Taylor Swift at this point. That's that's I'll I'll, I'll play so my and, and, and if, yes, and I in retrospect, I wish I'd had the Chiefs game because uh, it been great because I think it Brad it brings energy and enthusiasm to the game. Um, but we'll see. But I think it's great for the NFL, and anyone who's complaining about it should go complain about something else. Not the Barbie movie, no, but something no, else. Uh, indeed. One last thing here. Let's shift away from uh, – I've got you here. You're a great political expert. So, Dean Phillips, what do you think is going on there in regards to he's, – he's resigned his leadership position with the Democratic Party. You know, he's kind of doing this tap dance. On one side, he could be just getting his name out there so that in 2028 he's ready to go. But on the other side of it, there does feel like there's, there is something more there than just trying to get name recognition for a future election after 2024. What's your thoughts? I can't imagine that anyone would prescribe to Congressman Phillips any sense of that he's, he is absolutely taking the road less traveled. And it's very difficult to assign or prescribe any benefit to him for doing this politically or in the short term or long for long term for doing this, he is doing what he is speaking his mind. I have a whole bunch. I wish there were more people like him in politics who were, who were willing to do what's right and speak out. Um, I'm proud of him for doing it. I think there should be more people like him in politics doing it, but there is no political advantage to him to doing this because everywhere he goes, he is making some, some enemies for doing this. And that's the the truth of the matter. When you kind of buck the party process, when you buck the party system and you kind of step out of line, it's the same on the Republican side as is in the Democratic side. I sincerely believe that he thinks that this is the right thing to do. And it's unfortunate, and I'm not trying to be critical of the Democrats because the same has been said about on the Republican side, too. You are never rewarded in the party for being a prophet. You are never rewarded for speaking in sometimes out of school as he is. And he should be, he should get a pat on the back for speaking up and saying what polls show that a lot of Americans think is that there should be two candidates running other than Donald Trump and Joe Biden. But I think to prescribe any type of benefit in his heart, I think he believes that this is the right thing to do. It's good for the country, good for the party. And he's willing to speak up about it. I think we need more people willing to do that in both sides of the aisle. And that's my honest take on it. But I just, I don't think there's any political calculation that you could run that what Dean Phillips has done would benefit him in the short term or in the long run. Because even if he's right and there, and a problem develops and we don't, none of us want that to happen, but even if he's right, who's going to go back and say, boy, Dean Phillips, Congressman Phillips was right. Um, this is there's really no reward for him for speaking out like this mm-hmm. other than he's doing what's right for the party, what's right for country and what's right for democracy. Well, and he and, and yeah, and from from his point of view and the in the same sense of the Republican Party nomination, you need all the, the MAGAs to be on board with you if you're going to have a chance at winning there on the left. You have to have the unions. And that's the question I ask is. Does Dean Phillips really think that the unions are going to go for him over Joe Biden, who just walked a picket line with the UAW? I mean, it's it, that's it's it, you know it's it, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to get the unions on your side if you're going to have a chance at winning the Democratic nod. So it makes me do, do kind of wonder is if he's got a third party thought process going on. I don't think that he's got a third party process going on. I just I sincerely believe, having observed and listened to what he said, 
I just believe that he thinks that this is the right thing to do. And you have to applaud that. Yeah. You have to applaud. And I think it's, it's, you know, it's fair to say that there should be more of this in politics and more people should be willing to do that. Sure. It's going to upset party bosses and there's party bosses on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats. At one point I was a party boss and I'm, I would have been screaming bloody murder if this was going on. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is, is that I think it's good that this type of discussion is happening. But I honestly, it's very difficult for me to assign any type of political benefit that Congressman Phillips gets in the short term or long term for doing this. I just, uh, I, I'm at a loss to figure out what that is. Next week, it's going to be the Taylor update. Taylor Swift, hopefully in Minneapolis to catch the Kansas City Chiefs. We don't, she, she's not on a tour anymore, so there's a good chance of that. We'll get your update on that game. Hopefully another win for us next week. Michael Broadcorp, the breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky podcast episodes available wherever you get your podcast and you should listen. It's good stuff. Michael Broadcorp, as always, thank you very much. Uh, I always appreciate the time. Thank you. I didn't mean to come in too hot, but I just wanted to be excited. I you appreciate you. Are, you are perfect. You're perfect. And like I said, I'm going to get in touch with you. I got to get a t-shirt size for you because I'm getting you this t-shirt. I'm getting you this. Right. But my cousin is hot t-shirt with, with Kirk Cousins right. on it. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You got it. Michael, be well. Be well. Michael Broadcorp joining us, our Viking expert, uh, who, and of course, you know, good political talk as well. We'll take a break, wrap up the show for a Monday when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Well, and I'm going to give Broadcorp the heads up on this. He doesn't think he's going to run as an independent. Because I I think you you need to build something like that up from the base. And, you know, you know you, you, you can start it in a few states and then kind of get where there. But I don't think you can just go on out there and and just start a, a new party, you know, kind of just, you know, running away. Because, I mean, at the end of the day... The Democrats and the Republicans in this country basically control a lot of the power. And so, you know, you are out by yourself. I mean, I would love to have a country like, you know, in past elections and years ago, we, we used to have multiple candidates, four or five candidates. I mean, that was, I think, uh, I think overall it's a better system. And I saw that when I was in Europe. I mean, European countries, they have, you run different parties and then you try to get coalitions and stuff like this. And it, it is a very much a different way to represent the people. And I think in some ways it's a lot better to represent the people that way. But at the same time, that's not America, and it's not right now. And so if you decide you're going to be an independent, I mean, you can be a guy like – who's the guy out of Maine? Oh, uh, oh Angus King. Angus King, yeah. Thank you. Who's wildly popular in his state. So he, he he's – you know, the Democrats, Republicans, run anyone against him, they want, he's going to be there. But you notice he's not trying to start his own party. He's not trying to start his own movement. He's just basically, I'm an independent, I'm running in this position, and that's just that. And that's kind of where it goes. So we'll have to see what happens there. I, I I hope he's just trying to prep himself as a name for 2028. I, I really do, because I don't think it's going to end well if he tries something in 2024. We're back tomorrow. Till then, see ya.